Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. back to the Defiant Spirit. I'm Baruch Levy, also known as B. I am the creator, the founder of the Defiant Spirit and the creator of the Defy Your Number Enneagram System. It's where I bring together all things Dr. Viktor Frankl, my teacher and mentor, and his profound work, Logotherapy, Meaning-Centered Psychotherapy, together with my other passion, um, the Enneagram, an ancient roadmap. Now, I've decided I'm going to split up my time, and sometimes I'll do both of those subjects together. And Defy Your Number my Enneagram system is built upon Frankel's ideas. Frankel, if you don't know, author of Man's Search for Meaning, 40 books. We need meaning at the center of our lives. And so I bring that to the Enneagram. I'm much more passionate about Frankel than I am the Enneagram. I love the Enneagram. But the Enneagram is the how. And, the, and Frankel for me and so many others is the why. And as he said, quoting Nietzsche, he or she who has a why can endure anyhow. You got to know your why, and I've talked a lot about that. So sometimes I bring those together in the Enneagram. Sometimes I just do standalone, all things Logotherapy and Frankel. Today, I'm going to do all things Logotherapy and Frankel. Not actually all things, but one specific thing. Um, Dr. Frankel didn't have a lot of technique in the system of Logotherapy. He had some, but he conceived of it um, to be an add-on, to be a in conjunction with other systems, with other schools of psychotherapy, with other healing traditions. And so it really works well. Some people use it sort of as a way to see their uh, body practice. You know, if they're a body practitioner, I, I've attached it to the Enneagram. So again, I really think it was conceived of to be in conjunction with other systems and tools. You know, don't forget, Dr. Frankel was a neurologist and a psychiatrist. So he sort of had this repertoire of all kinds of tools and strategies. And I think he took a little bit for granted that um, other people did as well. And so I see oftentimes people come up against this, well, what do I do with logotherapy? What do I do with Man's Search for Meaning? If you haven't read it, read it. It's an important book. Um but there are tools and strategies in it. Again, I use it, I, you know, I have pastoral counseling training, I'm a Kabbalist, I'm an Enneagram teacher. So for me, it's the foundation. And then all those other things are the ways I express Frankel's work. But it isn't to say he didn't have some specific tools and strategies. Two of the primary ones, um, the technical terms are de-reflection and paradoxical intention. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of getting too deep into them because I don't think the average person listening is looking for sort of the APA definition of those two um, clinical practices and they are they can be used in, in clinical settings. I mean they're they're valid researched practices. But I like it from a how to navigate life perspective because one of the things I love about logotherapy, I am a logotherapist, but I do think it does a disservice. Do you think it does? Can I say that? I, I think it does. I just streamline that. I think it does a disservice to 
what Frankel contributed to the world to call it logotherapy. Because most people think, oh, it's something I do behind closed doors. It is true. I would love to work with you as a logotherapist, bringing these principles into your life, helping you find your why, live your why. I work with people all day long, bringing these principles into their life and living them. But it's not just a clinical practice. For me, it's a roadmap. I navigate my life with Frankel's example, but his, um, his principles of logotherapy, but it's not therapy in that traditional sense. It probably is better served to call it logo philosophy or logo living, right? Even a little more catchy. Or get rid of logos altogether because most people have no idea what logos is. Some people think it's actually the logo, right? Um, when in fact logos is Greek for meaning, truth, essence. There's lots of different ways to define it, but we'll call it meaning. So it's meaning-centered living. It's meaning-centered direction. And there are many principles, not as many as you know, other psychoanalytic traditions, psychotherapeutic traditions, Jungian therapy, but there are some. And two of them, again, are... Um, de-reflection and paradoxical intention. Now, in layman's terms, here's what it is, and here's how I use them every single day of my life, and I think about these every single day, because it's all about energy, right? Life is about energy. Everything you see, everything you do, everything that you are revolves around energy. And what I see happening in my life, but I certainly see it in the people's lives whom I guide, is that when we're stuck, oftentimes we're stuck around our energy. Our energy just gets stuck and we can't move. You know, we call it flow um, and sort of, you know, normal conversation. I'm just, I'm in a flow. What are we saying? We're saying that my energy is in alignment with the thing I'm doing. It's like there is nothing else except for me and the thing, whatever it is. Maybe I'm jogging, maybe I'm writing, whatever it might be, I'm in that flow. And all of my energy is harnessed and directed and moving with intention, consciousness. And then other times we're not in flow. And what do we say? We're stuck. I'm stuck in something. And there's a stuck feeling. I recently was stuck. Um, you know, I'm trying to write a book right now called The Defiant Spirit, and I just got stuck. And so what do you do in those situations when now you're stuck but it becomes worse than stuck. Because if you've ever been really stuck and it's something that's important to you or there's an imperative that it gets done or stakes are high, it's no longer just stuck. It's now anxiety. It's now fear. It's escalating into something bigger than just being stuck. So, you know, I hear people talk about certain issues all the time when you know it goes from in the flow, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's parenting, maybe it's their job, and then you know, days, months, years, decades, whatever it is, you just get to this place of stuck, and then the fear starts sets in, and then the energy starts to shut down and collapse, and you just don't know if you can get out of this, and if it's something significant like a marriage. Um, a feeling of desperation starts to enter, of hopelessness, of despair. And there's nothing worse in this world than that feeling. And that's beyond stuck. That's to the point where I'll never get out of this. And this is unbearable. Frankel talks a lot about it in Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, this was the litmus test for those who were about to succumb to 
their circumstances in the Holocaust, in the, in the um, concentration camps. He said you could see, literally you could see the prisoners who had lost hope. Why? One signal in, the, uh, in his telling in the book is that they would start smoking their cigarettes. What does that have to do with anything? Because cigarettes in the Holocaust, I imagine still true in prisons. I've seen enough prison movies to know, probably is true. It's currency, right? And you can get stuff for those cigarettes. If you're smoking them, what you're saying is, there's nothing else I want. I don't want a piece of bread. I don't want a favor from the guard. And so when somebody was smoking cigarettes, it was the beginning of the end. They had given up hope in the future. They had given up, um, they've given over themselves over to despair and they were stuck and they were um, beyond this place of feeling like they could ever get that energy going that they could get up and get out again. And when I'm working with people who are dealing with certainly depression, right, that is a big piece of our work together is to find ways. Sometimes certainly it involves um, you know, chemistry and sending them to the right place. Sometimes it involves certainly talking and sometimes it's a behavioral thing, but it's just about getting that uh, the uh, motion back into their life. So what does that have to do with these two principles? I'll come back to this over and over again because these are primary principles in his work in my life. Dereflection is sort of ignoring the problem. It's reflecting, it's, it's moving our energy away from the problem because what that problem represents, take something like I just dealt with this last night, sleep, right? I couldn't sleep. I think I drank too many, you know, lattes while I was writing. So I, I was like one in the morning and I'm starting to panic. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I do the countdown. Okay. Now, if I fell asleep right now, I have, I get five hours, six hours of sleep. If, you know, but I'm not going to fall asleep now. And I start doing this math and I'm stuck. It's hyper intention is what Frankel called it, but you know what it is. You're just beating this thing to death and it's getting worse and worse. I'm getting farther from the stated goal, which is to slow my energy down, move it into a REM state, and I wasn't even close. So I had two choices, according to Frankel. I could de-reflect, and that's what I chose to do. And that is, um, for me, that came in the form of putting on my AirPods and listening to a podcast. And I woke up with AirPods in and I fell asleep. Why? Because I took that energy and I reflected it. I moved it away from the problem. And so I stopped feeding the problem and I stopped sort of trying to push through the stuckness and I, and I almost went around it. Think about just coming to a boulder, just going around it and getting that flow of energy, bringing down the anxiety, bringing down the fear and diffusing the problem. So that's a de-reflection. It's a rerouting of your energy and that can come in a thousand different ways. Sometimes when I'm working with a client, we'll use guided meditation visualization to take them away from their quote unquote problem um, to follow this energy away. And then we come back to that very problem and it's no longer a problem. It's sort of like what um, Einstein said about a problem. A problem can't be solved on the level it was created. You need outside energy oftentimes, to solve a problem. And so instead of pounding it, me and the problem, I'll go away from it, I'll go around it, I'll come over here, I'll gather my energy, take a deep breath, and then we'll come back to the problem with fresh eyes, right? And in the morning, oftentimes, the problem isn't exactly a problem, certainly not the way it was 
um, before we fell asleep. So that's de-reflection. Again, I'm going to do many podcasts on this in the future, but I just want to give you basics right now. And that's one way of getting flow back into our life, of think about the ways I can de-reflect. I can channel my energy away from my problem. It might be to go for a jog. That can be a great de-reflection, taking that energy away. Um, there's a thousand different ways you can de-reflect your energy away from the problem. But there's another one. And that is instead of ignoring the problem or taking our energy and moving it elsewhere, I, I like that better than ignoring. Ignoring sounds a little passive and a little victimhood kind of thing. So it's more of a, I'm going to consciously reroute my energy. No, this time paradoxical intention is kind of a crazy term, but pretty easy to understand um, idea. And that is I'm going to bombard the problem with more problem, right? To the point where I'm going to cross a threshold into the absurd. Frankel was very into humor. In fact, in one place, I don't think it was man's search for meaning, maybe it was doctor in the soul. Um, he said, um, humor is a weapon of the soul. Let me say that again. Humor is a weapon of the soul. I mean, that is a harsh and powerful statement. It's a weapon and it is a weapon. It diffuses tension like nothing else. I read a study or an article a long time ago. It was an article, not a study. Um, most comedians in America, at least, you know, in the sort of previous century, in the early part to the later part of the 20th century, <clears throat> were either Jewish or black. I mean, it's pretty remarkable when you look at comedians. And at least the article that I was reading, and I don't think it's wrong, I think it's not even a stretch of the imagination to understand why most comedians were, and frankly, I think, continue to be disproportionately, certainly, Jewish or black. Why? Because those are two cultures that have known more than their share of oppression, each in different ways, but each in their own way. And when when you're oppressed, when you're, um, when you're victimized, when you're... Um, an outsider not let to the inside in a thousand different ways. You either fight, you cry, or you laugh. I mean, those are really your choices when you boil it down. And although each, you know, the African-American culture and the Jewish culture have all three of those, I think we both of these cultures have done a tremendous job of developing the laughter. And it's not just laughter as in ha-ha. It's laughter as a weapon of the soul because you can diffuse power with um, humor. And so this isn't really a lecture on humor, but it is a lecture, like, hopefully it's not a lecture, it's a conversation on the power of defeating your enemy, your problem, through humor. How does that happen with paradoxical intention? Because that thing, it's sort of like a tumor, whatever that thing is. Again, it can be something massive like you know, a relationship of yours that's falling apart to something relatively trivial, um, like trying to catch an airplane and knowing you're late and you're sitting in the car. I'll tell you a story I just had about this with the client. Um, and, and there's nothing you can do. And so you can get worked up and you can start fixating it. And 
you can put on the headphones and listen to this and take a deep breath as you're on your way to O'Hare Airport. And you're going to get there when you're going to get there. There's nothing you can do, right? The Uber driver's going as fast as she can. And um, if I miss my plane, I miss my plane. So I'm going to listen to Bee's podcast and de-reflect, take my energy away from it. Either way, I'm going to get there when I get there. And so at least now I'll have my energy back. I'll be back in that flow. And when I get to the airport, either I missed it and I'll have energy to then deal with the consequences or I'll get to my gate and I feel better when I sit down or paradoxical intention. Let me just give you the example that I had with the client. Um, We were talking about she, you know, has missed flights in the past. And I think that has been for her an example of when I can't fall asleep at night. I think we've all had this where it just gets worse and worse and worse. And instead of getting to the airport faster, we've all had this experience. We get there actually slower, right? Why? Because we're so crazed. We're running around and now I can't find the car keys. And then I, you know, I forgot to do this and now I'm this. And what I do with that? And so all this energy is flying around. And what we talked about was, can we think of a humorous way to attack the problem of missing the air and the the flight? And the flight isn't for a, a while now, but we were sort of anticipating um, that situation. Frankel talks a lot about anticipatory anxiety and grief and, and, and these types of things. So this is a way to get ready for that, to head it off at the pass so that it doesn't take our power. Well, we talked about, you know, her imagine, I brought this up, not that she does this, but I just kept seeing her in like the old school curlers, you know, like from a Marge Simpson episode or something with a mud mask and, uh, uh, you know, like a flannel robe with those slippers and running through the uh, O'Hare airport like this, like a mad woman. And everybody's like terrified and, you know, like curlers are flying out. It was funny. We were cracking up. And all of a sudden, the anxiety was diffused. We took back the power, that energy, and now we're moving forward again. Well, here's another example of a person I worked with a long time ago. Um, this one was more serious. Her husband had died and um, she, the last time she was with him was in their bed and um, he died shortly after that. And she was terrified to change the, the quilt and the covers because, you know, they were made and they went off for that day and then he had died. And she, for two or three years, she couldn't change the cover. So what did she do? She slept on top of the covers and basically use that as the mattress and put, you know, sheets over that. So in some ways that that became the 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 mattress itself. But what we got into was it took power away from her because every time she got in bed, what she felt was fear and all that anxiety came up. All of that energy, right? It took it from her and it was just eating away at her a year, two, three years later and you know it's no way to live. Nobody wants to feel like they're a victim of their circumstances. And this is the work of logotherapy to take back your power. There's nothing she could do about her husband. He died. There's nothing she could do about the way he died. It is what it, it was, what it was, but she could take her power back from that stupid fucking bed. And that's the work we did. So how do we do that? Paradoxical intention. Her grandson, I believe it was at the time was going through karate. And so we started to talk about, well, what would you do to that bed if you were a ninja, right? If you were the karate kid. And she said, well, I'd 
hayah it. I'd chop it. And I said, okay, do that. And she was on the phone and I, she's like, okay, I just did it. And I'm like, not in your head, do it. And she's like, I'm not doing that. I'm like, do it. And she started karate chopping her bed and we were cracking up by the end. And then she was like doing, I don't know, like, uh, you know, uh, some wrestling moves. I mean, there's like a 70 year old woman like beating the crap out of her bed. I imagine if her family walked in, they might, you know, send her away to the loony bin, but that's the point. She was laughing, we were giggling. And what happened that week? For the first time in, I think, three years, she took those covers off, she changed the sheets, and she got into her bed. She took back her power through the power of humor. That is a weapon of the soul. So we can de-reflect our energy away from the problem, or we can attack the problem by dumping more of it to make it absurd, to make it laughable. You should come out the other side of paradoxical intention laughing, knowing that you just defeated the enemy with nothing more than one big fat joke. Those are two different energies to attack your problem and find that logos, that meaning that is at the center of your life waiting to be discovered or, you know, um, on the other side of that problem, you just got to take back that power, that energy, and these are two new ways to get there. So we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to potentially work with you. Give me a shout, Baruch, B-A-R-U-C-H, at um, mysoulcenter.org or actually B-A-R-U-C-H at defiantspirit.org. Either one will get to me. Jump over to defiantspirit.org where you can learn more about how we might work together. I'm taking in new clients right now. I go through waves of this where I'll have you know my fixed amount and then people will graduate and go on to the next thing. It's coaching and counseling and therapy, whatever you want, we'll go. And we use the Enneagram, we use the work of Viktor Frankl, and most of all, we use the defiant power of your spirit. So give me a shout. I will talk to you or see you in the next podcast. And until then, defy your number and live your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.